Are you an SDR, BDR, or ADR who's ready to step up to management? Are you a current team lead or SDR manager who wants to go to the next level in your career? Join 10 Bound on May 18th, 2017 in downtown San Francisco for an immersive half-day live training class where we'll cover sales development culture building, recruiting, team management, metrics, and designing your own career as a sales development professional. You don't want to miss this exclusive opportunity. Sign up today at 10bound.com slash events. That's 10bound.com slash events. Hello, hello, hello. This is David Delaney with another episode of the Sales Development Podcast. I am honored and truly grateful to get the next guest on the show. This is Mr. Steve Richard with, I was going to say Voresight, Steve, <laughs> with <laughs> Exec Vision. Uh, the Chief Revenue Officer of Exec Vision. Steve, thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, thanks, David. It's the same company, by the way. So, uh, Boresight is the outsourced appointment setting business in the laboratory, and Exec Vision's our technology. Okay, cool, cool. So, I, I definitely want to dive into that further. Before I go on, I don't usually do this, but I found this write up on you on the AAISP, which I think is awesome. So, Steve is the Chief Revenue Officer of Exec Vision. And he's built a sterling industry reputation as an inside sales operator and innovator. His insights on sales and business have been featured in Harvard Business Review, Washington Business Journal, Washington Post, CNN Money, and NBC, among others. Steve has also been named one of the top 25 most influential people in inside sales by AAISP. Wow. <laughs> That was that was nice. I could see Larry Reeves all over that. Thanks, Larry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shout out to Larry, an awesome innovator um, in the space. But Steve, that's an amazing background. The last quick plug I want to give to Steve is you probably don't even remember this, Steve, but about a year ago, I personally was going through a, a rough time in my career. I was I was just getting beat up left and right by all sorts of things, and you you reached out to me and um, set up a call and we talked through entrepreneurship. We talked through the you know trials and tribulations that you had been through and setting up your business. And you know, I just want to know, I, I just want you to know personally, you know, that really meant a lot to me and it inspired me to, you know, reach out to people and, and get out in the community, try to help folks that might be going through a tough time. And so just personally, I want to thank you. And I just think you're an awesome guy. So that's my spiel. <laughs> well, you're welcome. I remember that. I remember that call well. And the fact that you had the humility to do that. I mean, I've done it myself. So uh, it's pretty cool that you took action on it because a lot of people would. No, dude. And, and you know, it's one of those things. Well, it's a topic for another show because I want to talk about you. But going through a rough time and kind of reevaluating where you are with with your career and with what's going on in the marketplace, it's been the best, you know, year of my life. I literally, I looked at my phone and we had that call almost exactly a year ago to this one. And, you know, just your support and being there during that tough time helped me out so much. So anyways, thank you. And thanks for being on the show today. Beautiful. <laughs> well, good. Well, okay. So let's dig in. Uh, the people that listen to the show are, sales development reps, team leads, sales development managers, executives, you know, tell us about your journey in the sales development and sales world, starting Voresight and now starting Exec Vision. You know, give us a little trip down memory lane, Steve. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. I was doing this at, uh, at 
a dinner at Dreamforce with the Sales Loft guys and uh, Lars Nilsson, who's probably been a guest on this or will be at some point. He was there and he was kind of pontificating on the, the dawn of sales development and and really a lot of credit to what the tech companies were doing in the Bay Area. I was in uh, Arlington, well, Washington, D.C., with the corporate executive board at the time there in D.C. They moved. And um, they called sales development marketing associates. It was great. So there were all these people who came and applied and thought they were going to be doing marketing things like moving pictures on a page, who knows what. And they put a phone in their hand and made them cold call C-level executives at big companies. Uh, so that's where I learned I learned the craft, not so much from their training program. Their training program was like drink a little CB Kool-Aid and then throw you on the floor. I learned from failure and and um, I was I was about to wash out of of the profession. And that's when I said, what are you doing? I've got 60 grand in school loans. And I had 100 people around me that were doing the exact same job as me. Uh, this is back in in uh, 2002. And um, I, I found some of those top people and I studied them. I just observed. I observed what they did. I sat there with a little notebook and I hand wrote in my little notepad because I didn't have a laptop. Everything was desktops back then. So I, I wrote my little notepad, all the things they did. And um, that became the origins of our of our outsourcing business. So my business partner is actually the guy who got me to become an entrepreneur. It's a guy named David Stillman. And he's someone I met at the corporate executive board. And he's like, you know, we're we got promoted to, to sales at the same time. We were in more or less the same star class. And he said, the thing we're good at is not so much the selling, it's getting the meeting in the first place. And that's the magic of CEB and why they're growing so fast is because they had 100 sales development reps. Eventually, they had more like 200. Um, we don't, they didn't think of them that way at the time. That, that term meant nothing in that day and age. They were marketing associates, but it was the same thing. So he said, what if we start an outsourced company, a company that basically does sales development for hire. We called it MA for hire, marketing associates for hire. And that was Voresight. That is Voresight. So we've got 35 people that do something called outsourced appointment setting, sales development reps for hire. And from there, a bunch of clients, I'm giving you the kind of longer history here, David, because I think it's relevant to the sales development world. From there, what we kept hearing is, man, you guys are good at this stuff. And you're hiring all these recent college graduates. What gives? What are you feeding them over there? Can you feed our people some of that? And that was the origins of our sales training business, which was called Boresight Training. It was spun off, and now it's called Funnel Clarity. And I still am a, an owner of that business and involved a little bit, not too much with that business. We've got some business partners running. But the funny thing there is that at the time, the idea of a, a, a sales training program specifically designed for SDR was completely foreign. I mean, no one had heard of that before. So when people thought of sales training, they were thinking like Miller, Hyman, Sandler, Richardson, Taz, they were thinking mostly quota carrying closing sales reps. But if you looked across all the sales training landscape at what was out there for the top of the funnel, for the initial prospecting and lead qual, there was almost nothing. All, all of the training out there presumed you had an opportunity. It like started from you're sitting in front of a prospect who's interested in talking to you to buy something. What do you do? So we built this whole, you know, I, I trained over 100 sales development teams. And in some cases, they weren't SDRs. They were quota carrying people. They had to be SDRs at all these companies. And what I learned from that experience is, unfortunately, a lot of them, after they got trained in all the same techniques, all the same content that we train our own people on, they didn't change. They didn't do anything differently. You know, and so like a third of the time, they, they did. They adopted it. The managers were behind it. It just became 
like their religion. It was just how they operated. And then two thirds of the time, they didn't do a darn thing different. And that's where I was personally like at a crossroads in my own life where I was like, what am I doing? You know, and my wife was starting to have kids at that point. We were having kids together. We've got four now, ages one, three, five, seven. And I'm like, I want to spend time with my kids. I'm on my road, breaking my neck, breaking my back, training these people. And when, when it works, when they use it, it's rewarding. But if they don't use it, what's the point? It's useless. And, and that's where I had that identity crisis. And that's where we, I went back to Foresight. We acquired a tech company. At the time, it was called Team Visibility. And that's the origins of the exec vision. So the idea there, and we were a customer of this ourselves, is game tape. Now, think about back in the day, I want to I draw a very stark contrast between game film and game tape. They are two totally different things. Back in the day in the NFL, Vince Lombardi, basement of Green Bay, Wisconsin, you can hear the NFL films music playing, you know. Um, <laughs> he's pouring over hours and hours of film trying to find what to pay attention to. That's the same as what you and I think of as call recordings. So you get call recording, great. Is that game tape? No, it's game film. And it's, it's like finding a needle in a haystack. What we do differently is like today in the modern NFL on the sideline, you've got Microsoft Surfaces. Everyone has all the plays indexed. So if you want to look at fourth and short, you want to look at um, only the nickel coverage. I want to see what, what sort of plays have other people run against their nickel coverage that have been successful. I can do that. So the coaches on the sideline can do that in two or three clicks and get just to the stuff that's relevant. The magic is indexing, indexing by indexing call recordings by Salesforce data or other CRM data, indexing it by keywords. So for me, I saw this working in our own company and I was like, this is this, this is the magic. This is how you get people to really absorb and change behavior. No one wants to do some BS role play. People want to hear how does someone who's successful in the real world do this with a real buyer when the buyer is throwing curveballs at them and not the, the game plan you learn in the classroom, but what happens in the real world. And, and what, what we've seen is as we've, as we've brought this technology exec vision out to a whole bunch of different companies, you're hearing these stories of onboarding ramp times are down 30, 40, 50%. You know, you're, you're hearing people improve their their conversion rates by 30 or 40 percent. And you're like, well, how is that possible? Here's why. Because they already had the best practices. They already had salespeople that knew the best things to do, but the, the knowledge was just sort of locked or trapped inside the company. So there's my long, long-winded entrepreneurial story. I tell you what I learned along the way, David. There are a lot of people I think running around these days, and Jim Keenan and I talked about this, that claim to be entrepreneurs. And and the reality is, if you haven't done like had to go and be scared to make payroll or you know take out a loan to make payroll, or if you haven't um, uh, you know realized that your your original plan is crap and you have to change and pivot in the moment, you know I, I could tell you this: I've never written a business like that. We have an investor deck now, but we, we never had a business plan in that formality. And, and as a result, we had to just learn by acting and by, by, by action, take action, do things, learn by doing, as opposed to planning yourself to death. Okay. All right. So there's a bunch of stuff that I want to dive into there. And uh, <laughs> the first Sorry one, that. <laughs> that's okay. This is great. Um, the, the, the first one that I will, we'll talk about more is Jesus, <laughs> you have four kids. I've got two and I'm running around like crazy. So one, three, five, and seven. Wow. Okay. So 
Talk about sleepless nights, being an entrepreneur. <laughs> you must not have slept in about 25 years. Yeah. So, okay. So, all right. The first thing that I have is, it, it makes a lot of sense. First, you're setting up appointments for companies and you're running this business. Then you notice that you've got a set of best practices. So you develop a training business to, to bring that out. And then you notice that there's all this knowledge locked up in the in the conversations and you want to free that knowledge and, and bring it out in a, in a software form so you can dig in on it and index it like they do out on the field now with the Microsoft services. So for an SDR or an SDR manager who's listening to this, how do you, how, how does it work? Um, so they're, they're making calls, they're taking inbound leads or they're making outbound calls. How does it work after they have that conversation to now go in and analyze the conversation and see where they can improve and where the, what things that they need to build upon? Yeah. So all, all of the, the it's just like in, in football, you know, it's not like the football player does something special for there to be an indexed um, repository of the game tape that can go and be used later on. But what happens is the sales rep doesn't have to think, the SDR doesn't have to think. And then all of their recordings are automatically combined with data from their CRM and automatically made keyword searchable and indexed by keyword. And the whole reason for this is like, like using that needle in a haystack metaphor. Another one is separating the signal from the noise. Where is the signal related to all the noise of all of these call recordings? Afterwards, if you're an SDR manager, there's several saved searches that we recommend to our customers. One is, and you, again, you, you actually don't need software to do this. It's harder, but you can absolutely do this without any kind of special software. One is all of the calls where an SDR made a call that resulted in a no in a negative outcome where they asked for coaching. So one of the things we do is in the, in the workflow, the natural workflow of the SDR, we put a coaching request, yes or no, where they have to fill in if they have a conversation with the prospect. Do you want feedback? Do you want coaching? Yes or no. So if, if there is a call that the, the SDR dispositioned it as a no in their dialer or in Salesforce or whatever, and they've asked for coaching, and up until this point, no one's given them any coaching or feedback, and let's say it's recent, let's say it's in the last seven days, that's low-hanging fruit. That's an example of signal from the noise. You know, that's as an SDR manager, I don't have time to sit with all my reps. I wish I did. There's no possible way. But, but I want to be able to be there for them for just those calls that they really needed help on that every call has these like forks in the road where you could go left or you could go right. And if you can identify even a small number, even one per week with that SDR where they went left when they should have gone right, you very quickly start to change the behavior because ultimately what we're doing here is not just having a, you know, now we have a nice indexed pile of call recordings. That doesn't help us either. We want to change the behavior. So how do we do that? What a lot of our customers will do is they'll have the rep then go and pull up that save search, listen to that call, comment on the call and the timeline of the call themselves, share that with their manager. Because if you try to break it down your own tape, it tells the manager a lot of information. I can just watch someone breaking down their game tape. When we have this one guy, Aaron, who he, he did exactly this and he broke down his game tape, but he missed a key point. So there was this kind of gap of two minutes in his call when he didn't make any comments to himself. He didn't self-assess. And then he got to minutes four and five and he started commenting again about objection handling. But the reason the objection came up is from what he did in those two minutes. So when I worked with him, it was like, dude, you're focused on the wrong thing. And it would maybe be, it would be like, uh, this is the power of observation. Jim Keenan and I talked about this too. 
it would be like a football quarterback that's saying, I don't know why I keep throwing the ball high. And, it, and it, what I can re, what I can observe that he can't observe is it's a footwork. His footwork is off. He thinks it's something mechanically, something else that's going on, maybe in his shoulders or his arm, but it's not. It turns out it's a footwork. And that's the kind of thing that you can do when you have two people like that interacting is you have the power of observation and just telling the person, hey, did you did you hear yourself do this? And they go, oh, I didn't. I missed it. That's very powerful because now that they have that self-realization, the next time they have a call when they could go left or right, they go right instead of left. They get the meeting when they when they otherwise would have gotten it out. No, and I the way that I look at this is it's like a missing link because you've had so many so many conversations where we know that we're making a lot of calls on the team. We know that we're interacting with a lot of people. And we can't figure out why the conversion rate from conversations to appointments or at least a, a next step in the conversation, why those conversion rates are so low. You know, prior to technology like you've been developing, you just sit there and scratch your head because you, you could sit, you can do a, a phone splitter with the SDR and sit there and try to listen, but it's mostly just going to voicemails and it takes a long time. If you actually get somebody on the line, you don't know if there's enough, you don't have enough data there to uh, see if it's a pattern or a trend. But if you can aggregate it using software, it's like the missing link of figuring out how to raise those conversion rates, right? That, that, that's the idea. I actually just had a conversation with the, our Voresight team this morning. We do a call of the month contest. Here's an, again, here's another thing you can do. You don't need any software to do it. Simple. Um, every rep every month submits what they think is their best call of the month. In our case, it's, they also write comments on it and highlight it. And then um, share that with their manager. Manager nominates the best one or two from their team up the chain. And we pick a winner. We pick runners up. We play them. We buy bagels and coffee for everybody and play those winning calls with those comments on them that kind of pop up, like VH1 pop-up video along the way, so that people can absorb those lessons. Visually and auditory people together will absorb those lessons, which is great. Now, um, where was I going with that? Oh, this is what it was. So we were talking about today, you know, some people, as you'd expect, are having challenges meeting their, making their numbers. There are two ratios in sales development that every SDR needs to know. The first one is dials to conversations. So not so much dials to connect. If I just get you on the phone and you hang up on me, it doesn't really count. Right? It wasn't, wasn't anything meaningful. You say, got to go, David. Call me back tomorrow. That doesn't count. But it's dials to conversations, some sort of a meaningful interaction, a meaningful engagement with, with a potential buyer. And then number two is conversations to appointments, like you said, the conversion rate along the way. Those are the, those two conversion points are the two gauges in the airplane that allow you to land the plane safely and not die. And if you talk to any good pilot, they'll tell you there are like five gauges in an airplane. Uh, Ken Crow from InsideSales.com used to talk about this all the time. I loved it. There are five gauges that keep you alive. And in sales development, the beauty is, there's really only two. I guess that you could also say that the same apply for email, but it's the, the number of, of, of raw attempts, which is dials or emails, compared with conversations. In emails, this is actually a clever way to do it. You can measure a conversation and email based on two round trips. So, David, if I email you and you email me back not interested, that is not a conversation. If I email you again and you email me back, that is a conversation. It's actually a meaningful exchange of information. So dial or email to conversation conversation to conversion to appointment. So conversation to appointment. 
those two conversion metrics are everything. Okay, that's great. Okay, so the, those two ratios are the the key. Now, technically, I know that each state is different as far as their recording laws and and things like that. And you guys have built that into your software. But you know, from a high level, if you're doing outbound calls, can you gather the same information, or does, is it generally just for inbound calls where you can give them that that little? Uh, notification that this is being recorded. Can you use it for outbound? Or yeah, it, great, great, okay. great question. Yeah, so let's talk about call report laws. There are 38 U.S. states that are one-party consent, which means as long as the salesperson knows their call is being recorded, you're fine. So for the leaders on this call, a best practice is what you want to do is as part of the new hire start packet, have everyone sign a thing from the Society of Human Resources Managers it's called SHRM. And it's, I, I hate the terminology, but you know, it is what it is, a telephone uh, recording consent form. It sounds very bureaucratic, but it, you know, it makes sense. Telephone recording consent form. So that's, that's evidence, if you will, that the person, the salesperson knows their calls are being recorded. Now, in those 38 states, you're fine. You don't have to ask for consent. In 12 U.S. states, you do. Three of them are misunderstood, Maryland, Michigan, and Massachusetts, the M&M states. Well, they're really intended to be wiretapping laws. Um, let's just dispense for them. Let's just call them two-party states. So at that point, the, what you could do for, for outbound, inbound's easy. They just have the thing that says it's called being to be recorded. Simple. For right. outbound, you what you can do is there are technologies that are out there like InsightSales.com has this feature. SalesLoft is just about to come out with this feature. Uh, Frontspin's about to come out with this feature. Outreach is going to be behind them, but they'll be coming out with it too, where it records one side only the buyer excuse me only the seller only the seller so it sees the area code that's being called if i'm calling you in california in a 415 area code in san francisco two-party consent state their software will see it's a 415 area code and it will only record one side of the call the set the seller if it sees a call is being placed into 404 in atlanta atlanta one-party consent state i could record both sides of that call no problem so it's a really it's a good way of doing this because the reality is for outbound I'm not gonna in a cold call I'm not gonna say hey David I'm, this call is being recorded I mean that's it just doesn't work in the context of an outbound unexpected call. Yeah, that's what I was wondering about because lately I don't know if my cell phone has gotten in the hands of some database, but I've been getting calls from unknown numbers and I pick it up and they say, "Hi, this call is being recorded. Is this David Delay? You know?" And I'm going. That is really weird, but I, yeah. like I see the value from the management side of managing a sales development team because the, that would be gold if you could actually get the two parties recorded and then go and analyze what happened on the cold call. But from a you know someone receiving the call, it does feel really weird. Yeah, well, it, it doesn't work at all. You should never ever do that. Now, the experience of of going back and reviewing the game tape. In the situation where only the salesperson is recorded and not the buyer is kind of interesting. It's it's very similar. I don't know if you've seen this on ESPN where they will they'll show a, a play. It could be you know football, soccer, hockey, whatever, and they remove the defense and you only see the offense or vice versa. They kind of like remove the other side. Um, it feels like that. You can pretty much guess what's happening on the other end of the, uh, of the phone, what they're saying. You can anticipate what they're saying if you're experienced in your business. 
is it as good as two-sided? Heck no. But the good news is, um, in working with a lot of companies who use this approach of only reporting that one side for those 12 states, it, it represents roughly 20% of the calls. So 80% of your calls are still being recorded two-sided. Huzzah, we're good. 20% um, of your calls are being recorded with only the salesperson. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So you can you can get a good, at least, you know, I would say if this is something new to people that are listening to this, think of it this way. You know, all the time that you're spending behind a Salesforce dashboard or doing reports or managing up and spending time in Excel doing analysis and things like that, it, it reminds me there's a book called New Sales Simplified. Uh, if you haven't read it, I would definitely recommend checking it out. And the I think the guy's name's Mike Greenberg or something like that that wrote it. I'll, I'll put a link in it. But in this book, he he's passionate around the fact that sales managers need to be doing ride-alongs. They need to be sitting in on calls, listening to calls, understanding the strengths and weaknesses of the team. And you know, prior to this technology, it was really hard for sales development managers to be able to do that because. They just didn't, you know, like we were saying, the splitter and the listening to one side, you know, trying to time it so you can actually hear it. This gives you the ability as a manager to get in and it's like the same as doing a ride along with the sales rep. You can see where their strengths and weaknesses are on the call. Is that fair to say, Steve? It's observable moments. Right. It's all about it's all about observation. It's all about observable moments. Now. The other interesting thing about this is there's certainly a big analytic component where you can say, well, I'd only like to see the calls where, um, you know, my competitor was discussed, right? I only want to see the calls where someone objected based on budget, early stage sales calls where they objected on budget or, or whatever it might be. You can get to that level of slicing and dicing of, of the information. Now, that's all well and good, but me being a former training guy, I'm sitting there and going, well, what are you going to do with that so now it's all about how you change behavior, and that's where you go to the scorecard capability and the feedback. There's four different forms of feedback. There are voice notes from the mobile app, comments, highlights, and then scorecards. And scorecards are a really simple way. It's just a call review sheet. Sometimes people call them quality forms or quality sheets or those kinds of things. And it's a really simple way of, of having calibration, of getting everyone on the same page for what is a good call. What is a good SDR call in this company? What, what, what are those elements? And I, that's where I find the biggest miss for companies these days, David, is that if, if you say to a group of managers, okay, describe uh, a good SDR call. What are the components? What are the elements? And if everyone's using different language for doing that, you have misalignment. You are not calibrated. And that's the first thing you got to do is you got to say, how do we define what a good call is? Now that we define what a good call is, now we, we have a target for them to aim for. Because otherwise, if you don't, it's kind of like a, you know, let's say there's someone with a bow and arrow and you're saying, okay, I want you to go hit the target. Well, where's the target, boss? Where, where do I want to aim for? I, I don't know. I don't know. Now, everyone knows the number of whatever they're supposed to achieve, their quota. That's fine. But what most companies don't do is they don't give them a target for how do they go about achieving their quota? So for our people at Boresight, they know that on average it should be about 30 dials to every conversation. If it takes more than 30 dials to get a conversation, you got some problem on your list of people you're calling on. Maybe you're calling too senior, too junior, not enough direct lines, something having to do with your list. The next thing after that is the conversation to appointment. 
you should be around three or four conversations to appointments. Once you go over four, it takes you more, more than four conversations to get to one appointment, you've got a problem. Again, you're in that red line zone for your airplane gauge or you're running out of fuel. You better go dig, dig into the game tape to understand what's happening in those conversations. And that's that diagnostic process that people don't do and they don't have that model for what good looks like for how people execute a call. Yeah, you can't hit a target that you don't see, right? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's a basic thing. And I think a lot, of, a lot of people are putting together sales development teams without that keystone target of what the actual correct behavior looks like. And so they're, they're just focused on the wrong things. Like you said, we're missing our quota, our conversion rate sucks, all that stuff, but they don't really have what's an ideal state that we're going after. Let me ask you this with your, if there's somebody on the call saying, well, you know, my vertical is, is different. You know, we're calling IT security or we're calling, you know, retail stores and things like that. Are those ratios 30 to one, three to one? Is that across the board or does it depend? No. Yeah. Okay. It's totally dependent on who you're, what you're selling and who you're selling to. So, for example, I've got some friends in, in the Philadelphia area at a place called, now it's called Vitalist. It used to be called PC Helps. I used to work, do training work with them. And I remember many fond days they called CIOs of Fortune 1000. And they were, they were roughly 100 dials to everyone connected. A lot of them would dial the phone manually 300 times a day, 400 times a day. I mean, you want to talk about the warriors of the sales development they were the absolute, you know, braveheart warriors of sales development. Uh, yeah, but it but it worked. I mean, they built a very very successful business on the back of that. Versus, if you're calling, you know, like a like a, a superintendent's office, it's not that hard to get people on the phone in a, in a school district in the superintendent's office. So yes, it totally depends on who you're selling to, uh, and and what level they are in the organization and what functional area they are. Marketers, we find it's harder and harder than ever to get them on the phone. You tweet at them, you get a, a better response. So yeah, you have to. But but really, what you need to do is you have to establish a baseline. If you don't have a baseline, or that makes sense for your business, then you don't know what's where the problem is. Which you know again is like going back to that air flying a plane and uh, a metaphor analogy. Where if I don't have a baseline for uh, what my RPM should be in my engines, how would I know if I'm running hot? I wouldn't. There's no physical way of knowing that if there's no baseline. You know, that's an interesting point because a lot of companies, they'll spin up the sales development team, you know, give it a quarter or two and then just pull the plug. And it could be good for you because uh, they, they might call Voresight and just say, hey, look, <laughs> we're going to outsource this whole thing. But how how long do you give it uh, sales development's expensive? I mean, you got a lot of people, you've got a lot of toys that you need to plug in and you've got all these, all these expenses going And it. And for me, I've, I've seen it, you know, if you're starting a team from scratch, it may take two or three quarters before you can even establish the baseline. You know what I'm saying? That is true. So that's where you also want to seek out other people um, in, in sales development in, in that are selling to similar folks, not a similar thing, not competitors, but, you know, so for example, if you sell <clears throat> to uh, you know, mid-level IT folks, go seek out other people who sell to mid-level IT folks. They probably have some of those baseline benchmarks. Uh, if you're selling to general counsel and AGCs in the legal department, same story goes there. Go, go seek out other people who do that. And that's why we, you know, you and I both love forums like uh, Sales Hacker 
and uh, the AISP, the Inside Sales Association, because that you know it's an easy way to get connected with true peers. It is, it is, and I also think of um, Craig Rosenberg and Topo. They they are working their research advisory. They're working with a lot of different companies. They could be able to tell you, hey, you know, looking at your peers that we've worked with, um, you know, this is this is what we're seeing as far as the benchmark conversion rates. So I should have said, Topo, you're totally right. With Scott and Craig Rosenberg are doing, they got a great practice that the bridge groups research is phenomenal there are lots of resources out there ultimately what the sales development rep has to understand is expectations baselines around what it takes to hire people bring them i've got this model that's very effective for this it's called d-e-p-t it stands for dna which is department your sales development department dna environment environments like the comp plan the culture the career path that kind of stuff so it's the terrarium if you will uh, DEP, P is performance management. Performance management is the metrics with the baseline, uh, benchmarks, and all those sort of things. Uh, T is training to mastery. So not training people sort of a, a one-time, two-day exercise or, or, or one-week onboarding, but making it so they're getting it so they're actually proficient so you can certify them in different skills that they actually know what they're doing. And then, uh, and then finally is last T is technology. So D-E-P-T-T. DNA, environment, performance management, training to mastery, and technology. Technology is a force multiplier. I, I, I see far too many people investing too much in technology before they have the other pieces right. And then when they go, well, I bought XYZ. How come I'm not doing better? And I sit with their people and I go, because you've got someone working for you that should be in customer service. This person doesn't have a shred of hunter DNA in his body. You know, this, this, guy, this guy should be taking inbound customer calls. He's very good at that customer service he's terrible at hunting for new business right so they missed the mark on dna in that case for example exactly and that's just like building a house on a foundation of sand i don't care how awesome the house is it's going to fall apart yeah no that is super useful i mean that can save people a lot of time and money because i think they you do run out the the buying the technology is kind of fun and, and interesting and you're meeting you know you're taking all these demos and you're you, you slap something together, hire a few people, and then give them the script, and you're like, we're good to go. But it's actually, it's it's completely in reverse. And, and I'll, I'll transcribe those um, and put them in the notes for the call so people can have them. But I like, I like that framework and thinking of it that way. Yeah, I can share that doc with you after the fact. Yeah, the, and the E the, for the environments, the piece that I see people just totally drop the, the ball on, um, especially the comp plans. You know, if, if you show me a comp plan, I can I can generally show you the way someone's going to behave. And uh, <clears throat> I see sales development comp plans being an absolute mess as, as a general rule of thumb. Very few companies do a good job with that. And then and then you ask, why are the numbers so low? Well, because you incented the numbers to be very low. You know, you're and, and this uh, this is another one that cracks me up. People who pay from for meeting number one or opportunity number one. But yet they have a minimum threshold of five or ten per month or quarter or whatever it might be. So basically what you're saying to that rep is you're, be- you're doing a bad job. You're going to get fired. And oh, by the way, here's a bonus. <laughs> Amazing. It makes no sense. Like none at all. So anyway. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I mean, I think you start with the comp plan. Whenever I start to work with companies, that's the first thing. It incentivizes the right behavior that, that you're trying to drive. So that's one of the foundational pieces of putting together a team. So, um, Steve, okay. 
I know that we're we're up against the hour, and um, I wanted to get into a little bit of the entrepreneurship side because I like what you mentioned in your conversation with Jim Keenan. Scared to make payroll up at night. Original plan is crap. <laughs> you know, um, and and you know that that lifestyle that that you've chosen. The question for you is. I think entrepreneurship and running companies can be a little bit isolating in, in a lot of ways because I, I think it's it's hard to find people that can really relate to what you're doing. And this is kind of off the wall question, but how do you how do you keep yourself from you know that sort of CEO CRO isolation and uh, surround yourself with people that can understand what you're going through and and support yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, it's a good question, and it's it's actually a simple answer. You you have to interact with other business owners and other CEOs and other entrepreneur founders. I don't even really think of myself. I, I kind of think of myself as just a sales guy right now for Exec Vision. That's what I do day in and day out. But for example, <clears throat> at the Topo event, we had an appointment setting breakfast, and we brought together the CEOs of of several appointment setting firms like. Uh, uh, green leads and buy appointment only and inside sales team and uh, frontline selling. They actually just acquired people links. So several of us all got together in Orland from uh, extended presence. We all got together and, and that that's just so critically important. If you're going to, if you're going to go out and be an entrepreneur and, you know, and everyone out there just, you know, if you want to be an entrepreneur, just do it and ask, you know, ask later on, the, the whole thing is that cracks me up is, is so many young people in the workforce, they're kind of seeking permission to do things. And I always tell them, it's not like anyone ever said, hey, go be an entrepreneur to me. It's not, it's not like I had a, a, a guidebook that I could follow for how to start a business. I just had to figure it out. I think that the figure it out factor is such a critical uh, part of the whole equation that a lot of people are missing. Yeah. Yeah. On that note, um, I've become a huge fan of, of Gary Vaynerchuk. I mean, he's all over social media, but more and more, I mean, that guy tells it to you straight, man. And one of the things is just like, just freaking do it, man. Don't, don't overthink it too much. I mean, if, if, if you have a passion around something and it's a huge problem that a lot of people have and, um, you know, the, and you, you think that, that you've got, um, you know, legs for it, just go ahead and do it and ask questions later. Um, I, I think one other quick thing is that the world is changing so much right now and, and the tools that are available to become an entrepreneur are so available that a lot more people are getting up to the plate. Um, and Gary Vaynerchuk said, you know, not, not everyone's going to hit a home run or going to be like Barry Bonds. Uh, but, but, you know, the, the tools are available. So if you think that you've, you've got a passion for something and there's a, enough of a problem out there, just freaking do it, man. <laughs> That's, what That's I right. And, and you know what? And David, here's the other thing too. There is nothing wrong with being a sole proprietor entrepreneur who puts it, who makes, does, does well to put food on the table for his or her family and enjoys what you do day in and day out and doesn't have to work for the man, you know, like, like that there, that is, I respect the hell out of, I know a lot of entrepreneurs that say they're kind of right size printers. <clears throat> they know that they want to build a business that just the right size for them. If it's one or five people, or maybe it's 25 employees, but no more, whatever that business is. That you're trying to create, um, you know, go with it, run with it, own it, be proud of it, and then ultimately you're gonna you're gonna have some satisfaction in what you do, which is what everyone deserves. Yeah, yeah, and I I just bringing it back to what you're doing with Exec Vision. I mean, 
just being in the sales development field for a long time and looking, this is a huge problem that you and your competitors are, are solving. And there's a, there's a, I think that's an insatiable need out there. I think that you're on to something amazing, Steve. So um, with that, you know, I'll, I'll say thanks so much for joining us. And if people want to get a hold of you or they want to learn more about ExecVision, what's the best way to go about that? Yeah, join our call camps. It's on our website, so execvision.io, and uh, under resources, call camps. We break down real sales calls and analyze them for what works, just like Gruden quarterback camp. Uh, I got one coming up here in a week. So by the time this comes out, it'll probably be already out May 10th. <clears throat> and then uh, my cell phone, get ready for this, is on my LinkedIn profile. I get almost no calls. So, you know, if you're hearing this and you just want to, you know, pick my brain or whatever, I take calls when I commute 8.30 Eastern or 8 a.m. Eastern time, 5.15 p.m. Eastern time. If you shoot me a text, I'll probably text you back and talk to you. Just just, uh, just reach out. Have the stones to reach out, and, and I'd love to ho- hopefully help you. Nice, dude. I love that. Okay, that's that's good incentive. Um, I'll, I'll put that there's an Easter egg at the end of this call. Um, you can actually get Steve's cell phone if you listen uh, for, further enough into the podcast. So thanks for that, Steve. Thanks for joining us. It's been awesome. You know, I'm excited to use uh, Exec Vision and listen to some calls. So thanks for joining us. Thanks a lot. Take care. Bye-bye. Is your sales development program firing on all cylinders? Are your people, processes, and technology aligned to get you the appointments, pipeline, and close one you need to be able to hit your goals? Finding experts in the field of sales development is a real struggle, but you have to hit your pipeline numbers today, not sometime in the future when you can step back and take a wider look at your program. TenBound is ready to help. Head over to TenBound.com for more information and to sign up for a free assessment of your current program. That's 10bound.com.